1: Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night, the 11th day of July, 7:11, 2021 Our engineer, Brian Graves, right across the way here. It's great to be back with you folks this week after a few weeks off. Up first tonight, we'll talk to... A true baseball lifer, one who's been affiliated with both the Mets and the Yankees. Larry Boer will join us. In the second half, we'll welcome in the former closer for a couple of teams, Heath Bell. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, enjoy Sports Talk New York tonight on GBB. Some great memories, some great stories from the folks up ahead. As always, social media is out there. Follow us on Facebook. You'll find sports information, show information, so much more. So stop by, give us a look, and then click like, and everybody will be happy. So, you can follow us on LinkedIn as well, and on Twitter, we're at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter, at B Donahue, WGBB. And if you miss a show, don't worry, because they're all archived out on the website. So you can go check them out there at your leisure. Well, our first guest, as I said in the open, a true baseball lifer, former shortstop, manager, coach in the major leagues, played for the Phillies, Cubs, and the New York Mets, five-time All-Star, World Series champion in 1980, two-time Gold Glove winner, and also Manager of the Year in the National League in 2001. Uh, currently Senior Advisor to the General Manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. I'd like to welcome into Sports Talk New York tonight, Larry Boa. Larry, good evening.
0: Uh, good evening, Bill. How are you?
1: Oh, just wonderful, Larry, and I'm happy to have you with us. Uh, I've uh, been trying to get you on for a while, and uh, let's have some some fun on the air for the folks out there. Uh, okay. You grew up in Sacramento, California area. Who were your boyhood heroes and teams back when you were a kid?
0: Well, obviously, when I grew up, the the, the baseball, as far as uh, on television, the Yankees yeah. seemed to be on every single week, so uh-huh. that was probably yeah. my favorite team to watch. Uh, as far as player, uh, I'm going way back because I sort of had the same kind of body he did and everything as Louis Aparicio, ah, okay. short off to the White Sox.
1: All the famer Louie to
0: watch all those guys Pee Wee Reese and Phil Rizzuto. They were a lot a little bit older than I was, but those the reason I liked those guys because they weren't big in stature and and they made themselves. They had a presence on the field, both defensively and offensively. They became pretty good players, so I sort of patterned myself after that. And uh, you know, everything turned out good for me, even though you know I got cut every year out of high school, never got drafted. Uh, I I don't know. I try to tell kids if you work hard and really believe in what you want to do don't let anybody tell you you can't do it and it worked out good for me you know i I obviously have to be lucky and be in the right place at the right time and and those things happen you're a great
1: example for those kids larry now your dad was a minor league infielder and a manager in the card system now he must have (laughs) had some great stories and some great names for you back when you were a kid listening to dad
0: well i don't know if he had i don't remember the great stories but he helped me probably more than anybody as far as Teaching me fundamental baseball, and he knew I was wasn't going to be a big guy, mm-hmm. so I had to do all the little things, which now are by the wayside because they don't even look at little things: moving runners, stealing bases, hitting and running, squeeze plays. Those were all important to me, and uh, they're they're non-existent now in the game of baseball. <laughs> right. So it's a different game now. I'm glad I played when I played because I was able to do those things. Uh, obviously, if I if the same requirements were Back when I played as they are now, I probably would never put on a uniform. So uh, the analytics have sort of taken over the game, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, not better for the game. It's sort of uh, it's made it a one-dimension baseball game now. But I still love baseball. Hopefully, it'll go back a little bit to some of the old stuff. Uh, but. Right now, I don't see that happening at all.
1: No, I agree, Larry. I agree with that 100%. Now, while you were with the Phils, really, you helped solidify the left side of the Mm -hmm. infield with another guy, Hall of Famer Mike Schmidt. How was it playing with Mike all those years?
0: It it was an honor. I mean, this guy, you know, he he signed as a shortstop. And Ah. uh, obviously, I had a couple of decent years, and they decided to make him a third baseman. And uh, to this day, I tell him, you're lucky I played short because... I don't know if your knees would have held up uh, playing shortstop. Yeah, uh, you know I'm just kidding. He was a great player, uh, greatest player I've ever played with. Uh, doing everything, defense, offense, running the bases the right way. He can steal your bag if he had to. Uh, great instincts. It, it was, you know, like I said, I was very fortunate. I played with him, who's a Hall of Famer. I played with Carlton, who's a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. and Pete Rose should be a Hall of Famer. So I really had the opportunity to play with three Hall of Fame players in my opinion, and it was a very good team we had in 80 to finally win everything.
1: Right, that 80s team, let's talk about that a little bit, Larry. Uh, you hit 316 in the NLCS, 375 in the World Series. That was the first title ever. People may not believe that. A long storied history of the Philadelphia Phillies, 1980, the first championship. How about that ball yes. club, Larry?
0: Well, first of all, people ask me the greatest thing that ever happened to me in a Philly uniform. It's not even close. That winning the first-ever World Series in base in the Philly history. But, I mean, you go around the infield. We had Pete Rose, Manny Trio, myself, and Mike Schmidt in the infield. We had Greg Lazinski, Gary Maddox, Bake McBride in the outfield, and we had Carlton on the mound, and we had Tug McGraw closing, we had Bob Boone catching. Mm-hmm. We could do a lot of things. We could beat you one nothing. We could beat you 9-8. We could play defense with anybody. We had good base runners. We could steal your bases. It was a complete team. And uh, we had to earn every bit of it. I mean, we had to go into Montreal the last weekend and win two out of three. And we did that. Then we had to play Houston, which every game was extra innings except for the first one. And that's very difficult to beat not only Houston, but Nolan Ryan with Mm -hmm. the lead going in the seventh inning in that game five. And then, obviously, we beat Kansas City four games or two. But that was tough a tough road to go, I really believe, in 77. You know, we won won divisions before that, and I thought that was the best team, top to bottom, you know, as far as the bench and extra guys and and relief pitching and everything, but uh, we finally put it together in 80.
1: Now, 81, Larry, uh, you're kind of getting out of Philadelphia, and you let it be known that you were available, and the Cubs coincidentally just hired your former skipper, Dallas Green, as their general manager. So he expresses interest and brings you over to the Cubs. But he wanted another ball player that people may yeah. not remember. A guy by the name of Ryan Sandberg was the throw-in in that deal. And that worked right, out I, pretty I, good.
0: <laughs> I remind him of that every time I see him. Yeah. I tell him, you know, you were throwing throw-in. Yeah. Uh, that, that I didn't want out of Philly. It was, you know, they changed ownership. And Rully Carpenter verbally told me he was going to give me a three-year deal. And then Bill Giles and his group took over. And then when I went in and said this thing was sealed and done, and Bill said, Well, I'm the new owner, and we're not going to give you three years. And I said, Well, then you can start shopping me because, you know, if Rully was still the owner, I would have got a three-year deal then. But, you know, things happen. And uh, would I have loved to stay here? Yeah. But I had a good time in Chicago. We finally put things together in '84. There, and almost got to the World Series. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we took that winning attitude from Philly. Dallas took a bunch of guys over there with him, and uh, basically, that franchise turned around as far as attendance and everything. Dallas did a great job in in getting that city rejuvenated and thinking about baseball. So it was it was fun. It was fun playing. Uh, the only thing I didn't like, uh, you know, at that time we didn't have lights. So it was it was fun playing day games. But when you went on road trips and then you did come back. It was a big adjustment, man. You had to get up early. Usually on the road, you play all night games. So finally, they put in lights there, and and they were rewarded. They got they, obviously they won a World Series, but they got in the playoffs a few times. So it turned everything turned out good. It
1: did. The, the Cubbies turned things around under the helm of Dallas Green. Now he was a disciplinarian. We had him here with the Mets for a while. He was a different right. breed. He 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 was a a, a tough guy.
0: He, he was he was. He, I, I, he just wanted you to give effort every day, you know. What I mean, and he had he had some rules that you had to obey, and I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I, rather than let guys do whatever they want to do, which mm-hmm. is happening in 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 the minor leagues and everything now, it's a different. Like I said, it is a different game now, and you just got to roll with the punches and accept it, or don't watch it. You know, I, I, I love baseball a lot, and uh, so I, I watch it, even though there's some things that you don't really agree with, but it's the way the game has sort of changed right now.
1: Yeah, I'm going to ask you a little bit about some of those changes, some of them we see on a daily basis that uh, kind of irksome, but uh, we'll, we'll tackle that in a minute. Uh, you, your managing career took off as a manager of the Padres back right, in 87. Uh, right. Did you know all along, Larry, that you wanted to manage?
0: I did know all along, but I, you know, hindsight being 2020, uh, I went over my first... Uh, the first year after I retired, uh, Jack McKean asked me to go manage AAA in the Coast League, and I said, "Yeah." And we won the we won the whole thing, and we won the championship. And then, like I said, hindsight being twenty twenty, I probably wasn't ready to manage right away. I should have said, But how many guys are going to turn down a big league manager's job? Uh, right. I probably could have stayed in the minor leagues another year or two to develop that type of, uh, you know, what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to approach it. So you know, it was it was something that. Uh, Looking back on, if you could redo it, probably say, you know what? I, I think I need at least another year in, in AAA. But you know, again, things happen for a reason. But it was fun there. I had some good players there. I had some real good young players. I had Santiago Cruz Tony Gwynn. Uh, uh, you, you know, th- there were some uh, some guys there. Uh, Kevin McReynolds. McReynolds. Uh, they, I had a good team. They were just really young. It was a really young team. Mm-hmm.
1: I forgot to ask you, Larry, your Mets days. How did you like it here with the Mets at Shea Stadium?
0: Uh, you know what? I I liked it. I was just there for the month, you know, and I knew I was going over there that I was going to be like a utility type guy. Yeah. And uh, they had a chance to win. They didn't. They came up a little short. But I, I knew though after that that I I just didn't want it. They asked me to come back as a utility player, and I, I you know I was used to playing every day, and I just felt. There were some baseballs that when you're playing, you think you should have got, and in your mind, you know, you're saying, oh, I don't know. And I felt that I, I got the most out of my ability. I got over 2,000 hits, you, you know, did. played an all star game, got in a World Series. So I didn't want to just be a utility player, and I knew that I lost a step or two if I was going to play every day. So I just, you know, I said that. I think I got the most out of my ability.
1: Yeah, I would agree, Larry. You certainly did a stellar career. is, is how I would term it. Uh, you finally get named manager of the Phillies in two thousand one. Uh, you take over a club that had lost ninety-seven games, but uh, you do some great things with it.
0: Yeah, we. Well, you know what? We had to change the whole culture of that. You know, and, and Terry Francona was there before me, and you know, I, I look back on that. and uh, He didn't have a very good team, to be honest with you. And so basically I went in there and we tried to change the culture a little bit, uh, maybe be a little bit more demanding and making guys have a little bit more responsibility. And we did all right. I think the four years, every year there I was we were over 500 or right at 500. We were in a playoff run there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that had a lot to do with the transition when they finally got to the, the players they wanted and, uh, and they went on to win a World Series in 2008. I had a lot of those guys. between in in 2004 so you know you feel like hey you 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 helped along the way and then charlie came in and he did a great job and and they won and and in 2008 then they went back in nine and the yankees beat him so you know you feel like you you were responsible for some of that action there but you know the final touches were put on with charlie and who did a great job and and the phillies eventually won another world series they did
1: yes and uh we're speaking with the great Larry Boett tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now you come back to New York, Larry, as third base coach under Joe Torre with the Yankees. You were there for two years. How'd you enjoy that?
0: I loved it. You know, I, like I said, that was a team I watched when I was when I was growing up. Right. And there's something about putting the pinstripes on it. Uh, just think of all the great players that played there, all the World Series they won, and I was very fortunate. To play for a manager that I have all the respect in the world for, and Joe Torrey. Uh, and then when he got let go, he went to LA and he told me, you know, that they're probably going <clears> to <throat> make changes in their coaching staff at New York because he left and he told me not to do anything until he find out if he was going to get that Dodger job and he got it. And I went over there with him. So I, I, I had a great time uh, coaching for Joe. He's a tremendous individual, a good baseball man. He lets you do your thing and, uh, We were pretty successful there. You know, we got in playoffs the the years that he was there. We came up a little short, but got in the playoffs. And uh, just like in New York, we got in the playoffs. So it it was a good run to be able to go with Joe to New York and L.A.
1: Yeah, and uh, there's another Hall of Famer to cross the path of Larry Boa, the great Joe Torre. And uh, let's talk no a little question. bit about those changes in the game, Larry. I mean, we we saw some here in New York recently. The the Mets have been playing a plethora of double headers, yeah. and there's seven inning double headers, and I uh, I can't get yeah. used to that. You have a fifth inning stretch, Larry. <laughs> What's the deal? I, I mean, Rob Manfred, he's he's ruining the game.
0: I'm not in. I'm not in a lot of stuff that he's changing. Uh, Baseball is a nine-inning game, 27 outs. You know, the key to being a successful baseball te- uh, team is being able to go through the rigors of a long season, having right. a good farm system down there. And if you have doubleheaders, you better have some good some good people in the minor leagues that can come up. And when you're short pitching or short an infielder, uh, the seven innings to me is like uh, uh, high school games. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. And the fact that the Mets, I think the, somebody said the Mets have already played 10 doubleheaders. Which is More than that. I think right it was now.
1: 12, Larry. I think it yeah, might be with 12, all the rain. You might
0: be right, which is asking a lot. But you know what? At the end of the year, everyone says it's not a sprint. You know, it's a marathon. And that determines who's really a good organization and who's got the best team. This seven-inning stuff, uh, like I said, I'm not in on it. And hopefully it goes back. But I doubt it. I mean, everyone's complaining about uh, well, pitchers. The wear and tear on their arm and i look at pitchers when i played they have you know when you have a pitcher that goes 150 170 innings now they call him a, a horse yeah well I, I played with a guy that had 150 to 170 at the all-star break steve carl those guys pitched 300 innings mm-hmm. and when i see these i just shake my head and go oh, this is unbelievable but again we revert back to it's a different game now and that's the way the game is projected to be played, and uh, I guess the owners and the general managers like it. And so they're going to incorporate these uh, these new rules.
1: As you say, Larry, you still love baseball, and you're still going to watch it. The, the same with me, but we don't have to like it. That's, <laughs> that's right. the main thing. Exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, there was an article just recently in the New York Post saying how baseball is stealing from the fans with these seven-inning games because they're paying for nine innings. They're only getting seven.
0: Exactly. You yeah. Know, so you know, I mean, you you, you go to watch a, uh, I mean, a, a real good pitcher, like uh, Degrom or Cole or, uh, or Zach Wheeler. Uh, you know, you want to see him pitch nine innings or go in at least seven or eight innings, and then you go to your bullpen. But you can really uh, navigate through seven innings. It doesn't really, you know, like I said, your starter goes five, then you get your setup man, your closer, and then you get there, you are there, your seven, your seven innings, and you get two or three runs. Good chance you win the game three to two or four to three. So mm-hmm. it just uh, it, it takes a lot uh, out of the game of baseball, as far as I'm concerned. Baseball is meant to be played for nine innings, and, uh, and they keep mentioning the COVID, which was to trust me that was one of the nastiest things that ever that I've ever witnessed. And it is we have to take it serious, right? But I really believe that uh, hopefully with the, the vaccine and everything we can get back to some type of normalcy where we can revert back to the way the game was played before. But right now, they all, they're all they using that right now as the reason. So we'll see if that if that really was the reason we, we put all these new rules in or if it's here to stay. We're going to find out because hopefully this vaccine will take over mm-hmm. and continue to progress and, and we won't have to worry about this if we all get, get vaccinated.
1: How about the man on second to start extra innings, Larry? <laughs>
0: That's another joke. What,
1: what, are we playing for a keg of beer here? It's like Sunday softball.
0: It's it's ridiculous. And, and still, I watch these games, and still the analytics say don't bunt them to third. So, you know, it, imagine it's just stuff yeah. that, uh, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't make sense. But, again, it's the, the change of the times. And, right. Uh, and that's what we got to live with. But if you're asking me if I like it, no, I don't like nah. it. So those two things, I'll tell you what. Out of all the rules, that if you change it, the only one that I, I sort of like, but I'm I'm not in love with it, is the fact they got to pitch to three hitters. Right. I, I think that, you know, you got to be a little, uh, as far as strategy is concerned, you have to be, you know, aware of what's happening. That when you bring a pitcher in, he's got three hitters, and uh, unless he ends the inning with it, you know, if he comes in for one hitter and he gets a side out, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I, I've sort of adjusted to that. And uh, if they kept that in, I wouldn't be, uh, that wouldn't upset me very much.
1: Do you like the replay, Larry?
0: Uh, at first, I'll be honest, I didn't like it. Because, I, you know, umpires are like everybody, they're human, they're going to make errors. And, you know, when we played. We had umpires that established the strike zone right out of the gate. And in other words, I remember umpires that was gonna call pitch down strikes and the pitch up they're gonna give it's gonna be a ball. So as a hitter you had to make the adjustment. As a pitcher you had to make the adjustment. But now it sounds like they're going might have these Robo umpires coming in. Oh boy. But I understand that there's that teams get in the playoffs by one game. So if a guy misses a play at first base or a tag play at second and it could be magnified. Hey, man, if we'd have got that call, we'd have gotten playoffs. So, uh, you know, I'm willing to deal with that. Uh, they're trying to get the call right. I just think it puts a lot of pressure on the umpires. Before, they're being scrutinized after the game's over. Whoever umpire behind the plate, they got to review every ball and strike and say, well, you got this right, you got this wrong. Uh, it's it's a tough gig for for umpires, I think. Yeah. The, I I agree, Larry. Uh, The only thing the the replay does is you can't argue, really, because it's coming from New York. And they said, hey, we just got the replay and the umpire's in New York. And so what are you supposed to do? You can't yell at those umpires that made the call. The the people in New York (laughs) made the final call. So uh, there's no arguing. And and if you go out and argue balls and strikes, it's the same. You can ejected. So, I think part of the fun of baseball was seeing managers or players argue with the umpire and a good umpire will say, okay, you've had your say, that's enough, go back to the dugout. But you can't even do that anymore. No, so nah, we, we miss a
1: guy game like Pinella going ballistic, Earl Weaver. that That's taken out of the with, game now, Larry. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was with Lou. I was coaching for Lou in Seattle. But, uh, yeah, that's part of the fun of the game, I think. But, again, the game has uh, changed dramatically in, in those episodes.
1: Right, you say the umpires are human. Nobody likes their decision overturned. Imagine the, you know, at home, your wife or somebody overturns every decision you make. That, that's a blow to your oh, ego, know. you know.
0: <laughs> I know, it, but you know what? I think I think the umpires are getting used to it. They're saying, "Well, I'm going to call this guy out if it's wrong. They're going to correct it." So, you know, I think it, it. It. I think they're they're under the they're being scrutinized a lot. But they also know that if I mess it up. New York's going to fix it for me. You know, it's like a security blanket. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I wouldn't want to be an umpire right now. That's a tough gig. It sure is. You're right, Larry.
1: Uh, Larry Bo with us tonight. You already told us, Larry, your greatest memory was the 1980 season, winning it in Philadelphia. Who was your best teammate along the line?
0: Uh, probably Greg Lazinski We came up together, basically. Ah, okay. uh, you know, he was... Pretty good hitter and played the outfield. Big power hitter for us. Him and Schmitty was the meat of our order in the middle of the lineup. And uh, So I'd have to say Greg because I was with him. for Went to instructional league three or four years in a row with him. Still friends with him as we speak. Yeah. And, uh, so I'd have to say Greg.
1: How about the best skipper you played for, Larry?
0: Wow, I, I could name a lot. Dallas was good. Frank Casey who passed away, gave right. me the opportunity to play in the big league. We had a very young team in the early '70s that sent me out, and he told me, "He says no matter what you hit, you're the shortstop." I mean, he gave me that confidence to play. Um, you know, uh, Danny Ozark was very good. I, I played with some good managers, really. I mean, I, I have, people say with well, Dallas was tough. I like a guy that, that sets, puts his foot down, and says, "Hey, you take infield or you don't play." You know, stuff. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think players today they they want. That discipline, but they're never going to admit it, and so that's why. That's why we basically, you see a lot of loose things happen in clubhouses, and uh, you see base running mistakes, a lot of mental mistakes. That physical mistakes are going to happen. You're going to strike out. You're going to make errors. You're not going to be able to get a good slider over when you want. Those are physical things. The mental things. When to when to go first or third. When to when to be in the right place for a cutoff and relay, uh, you know, just when to execute it. Those things are mental, and, and if you can't execute those, then, and a manager wants to get on you, he has every right to get on you making mental mistakes, not knowing how many outs there are.
1: Mental that's toughness. Ridiculous. Mental toughness, And that Larry. happens.
0: I see it happen. Yeah. I go down to my leagues and watch our kids. I see, I see it happen in the big leagues. So, you know, it's I think a, when you have a guy in the dugout that's on top of those, I think the mental mistakes get reduced. I really do.
1: Like like Keith Hernandez here in New York is always harping on Larry Fundies. Fundies gotta have fundamentals.
0: That's, well, <laughs> that's the that, name that, of the that's game. That's a lost art now. That's a lost art. Yeah, a home run, a walk, or a strikeout.
1: That's what you watch. Quick pitch in the morning, Larry, on on uh, MLB. Yep. It's home runs and strikeouts. That's about yep. it. Yep.
0: Nobody nobody that's knocking
1: in uh, you know a two run single anymore.
0: But if you watch, you know what's amazing? If you watch the the last two or three years of the teams that win World Series and that, the strikeouts are down. They execute. I've even seen squeeze plays. I've seen sacrifice bumps in the World Series. It's amazing how they revert back when it's a short seven-game series and you're playing for all the marbles. Right. But they won't do it during the course of 162 games. And it, it's sort of refreshing to see that the teams that win it, their strikeouts are down. They put the ball in play. That's a good sign. You know, I, I, I think that... Might get guys scratching their heads a little bit, saying, "Hey, maybe we should revert back to this a little bit." Sure,
1: can't can't hurt. That's for sure. Now, you're you assistant to the GM down there in Philadelphia, Larry. What what keeps you busy during the day?
0: Well, uh, if, when we're at home, I go to all our home games, mm-hmm. and when we're on the road, uh, I go look at our Double A and Reading and Triple A and Lehigh Valley. And then mm-hmm. this, tomorrow, day after tomorrow, I'm going down to watch. Uh, our Clearwater team, and then we have our Lakewood team up here. So I get to watch our kids play, and if they ask me my opinion about anybody, I give them my opinion. And other than that, I stay busy pretty much for the baseball season. I'm watching baseball almost every day, whether it's a big league game or a minor league game. So uh, it keeps me busy. It
1: sure does, Larry. Sounds like it. Now you know Logan O'Hop. I like him. Yeah, he he went to my high school, and I I, like a lot. I follow his career. A
0: lot of Yeah, a lot of energy. He's having a pretty good year at Lakewood, and uh, he's got a good. uh, He's got some power. Uh, He plays the game with a lot of passion. I I like him a lot.
1: Yeah, we we hope he makes uh, makes it to the show one day. Good kid.
0: That'd be great. That would be great. From Long Island. Yep.
1: Well, Larry, uh, it's been a real pleasure. I'll tell you. Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us up here in New York. I wish you all the best. Thanks for sharing, really, your your baseball life with us. I appreciate it.
0: All right, Bill, and thank you for having me, and uh, we'll see what happens during the course of the second half.
1: That's it. We'll take a breather and then uh, start round two. That's what we'll do. So you take it easy, Larry. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks, Bill. That's Larry Boa, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we welcome in former closer Heath Bell. So stick around.
0: You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now,
1: back to the show, live. Yes, we are live. We are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB from beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island. As I said before, it's great to be back on the air and spending some time again with you folks after a few weeks off. Already uh the, the midsummer classic is upon us now but wait till you see the uniforms major league baseball has devised for the all-stars absolutely hideous you can google google it and check it out for yourself this is uh rob manfred again at work with uh, some of his tremendous ideas it, it used to be great when i was a kid uh see the introductions the players in their different uniforms Uh, This is just something else for Manfred to ruin about uh, the great sport of baseball. Uh, Other than that, uh, a great sports day today, folks. Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic wins again. I believe that's his third or fourth in a row Wimbledon title. So he's an immortal over there. Uh, The Mets, of course, back to their old tricks, dropping a game to the lowly pirates. And England, Italy, what a game that was if you caught it. England goes down on the home pitch over there, the hallowed turf of Wembley Stadium. Italy wins on penalty kicks. Uh, not much of a soccer fan, but I'll watch it on occasion, and uh, it was a pretty good game today. Let, let's keep the sports memories rolling along here. Our next guest, three-time All-Star, two-time NL Rolades Relief Man of the Year, National League Saves leader in 2009. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight Heath Bell. He- Heath, good evening. Good. How you guys
2: doing?
1: We're doing great. We're doing great, and we hope you guys are doing the same out there. Now, Heath, you grew up in California. Who were your sports heroes and your favorite teams growing up?
2: Oh gosh, um, you know I didn't. Wa- I okay, so I didn't watch much base or sports on TV because one, there wasn't. It wasn't always on. Right. And I used to. I mean, I was outside all the time playing. You know, playing sports. So I remember during the summer watching WGN, the Cubs, um, Harry Carey, you know, announcing or the Atlanta Braves that I always thought were really boring, the announcers. Yeah. It was on TBS, but they played day games. And then I'd go outside and mimic them. But, um, my, my really like, so it was kind of like Roger Clemens, cause, um, growing up because he threw hard. Or it was Mark Grace. Because he went to a local high school in California.
1: Ah, okay. Uh,
2: for like a year, and then WGN, you know, because, you know, the Cubs. Um, and then I was, and when I was just, when I was in Little League, for some odd reason, for like five, six years, I was on the Cubs, so I used to think I was a Cub. Uh, um, but yeah. um, the one guy I really remember watching was Reggie Jackson when he was on the Angels. And ah, I always wanted to be Reggie. I always thought Reggie was. Either hit a home run or struck out. So right. Kind of like <laughs> I always tried to be Reggie when I was growing up. Didn't really work out. But
1: see, I'm a little older so than you, Heath. So I, I all all I was exposed to were, were the local Mets and Yankees. And then on Saturdays, you had what was called the game of the week with uh, Kurt Gowdy, Sandy Koufax, Pee Wee Reese, uh, a couple of guys like that doing the broadcast. And it would be a game from out of town, and you got to see. Harmon Killebrew, and uh, Willie McCovey, and Willie Mays, and guys like that. So that that was a real treat. But that was the, the most exposure that I got when I was a kid. Now, your yeah, dad, he... go ahead, Keith, I'm sorry.
2: No, I just said, yeah, you, you don't have the exposure like you have nowadays.
1: No, not at all, not at all. These kids are lucky. Now, your dad was a Marine, and he set a good example for you, didn't he? Yeah, oh,
2: yeah, I did. He was, he was a great man. He was always just, uh, respect everybody and um, go about your business. And one thing I always tell my kids now, and I kind of feel like I'm my own father now, but he said, judge people in three ways. You're in, in, you have three, three ways to judge somebody. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And he goes, first time you meet somebody, mm-hmm. you don't know if he lost his job or had a bad day or somebody got mad at him. So um, just give him some grace. Then the second time you meet them, same thing happens. Third time, you'll finally realize, is that a nice person? Is that a mean person? Do you like this guy or do you not like this guy? So just um, basically take, you know, w- give it some time, and your third time, your third and reaction to something or to somebody will be the best reaction. Because, you know, maybe somebody got fired that day or lost, you know, um, their parents got mad at them or, they didn't turn in their homework assignment or they got into an accident or something. You just don't know everybody's past or history. So just, you know, give everybody grace.
1: Good way to be. Excellent. Now, you were selected by the Devil Rays uh, back in 97, uh, the 69th yep. round. You didn't sign with Tampa Bay, though. Why didn't you sign? I wasn't allowed to sign. Ah, okay.
2: Yeah, they. I asked them. I said, are you going to offer me like 1000 bucks or something? And they said, no, we're just going to draft <laughs> you and uh, follow you. Like a draft and follow, if you guys remember what those are.
1: Yeah, oh boy, that's no good. So
2: the 69th round with the Rays, they actually the scout gave me a hat, so I wore the hat around. And then the next year, I didn't get drafted. Actually, the next year in '98, the Phillies called me up and said, "We're gonna, we're thinking about drafting you in the 21st round. Are you gonna sign for a thousand dollars?" And I said, um, "Probably not, because." Um, Oh wait, no. I said no. This is what I told them. Um, the Phillies in '97. Sorry, it's long ago. I'm old now. <laughs> the, in in '97, the Phillies called me up and said, "In the second round, are the you, we want to draft you?" And for a thousand bucks. And I said, "Well, I'm the first one in my family to go to college. I'm, a, I'm at community college, but I'm first one in my family to finish a year of college. And my dad didn't finish high school. Got his GED after he you know went to the Marines. But um, so school is important." Then um, they said, "Well, I, I'm going to tell the court, you know, the head, the front office. I don't know if we're going to draft you or not." And I said, "Okay." Then the, the Rays—they didn't draft me, and then the Rays drafted me in the 69th round as a draft and follow. Then in 1998, the next year, my sophomore year in college, nobody—the Mets called me, the Rockies called me, and Oakland called me, and I said, "I—I I don't care what you guys give me, I will sign." Mm-hmm. And nobody drafted me. So then I called uh, Bob Miner up, the scout from the Mets, because we just had a good relationship. And I said, why didn't I get drafted, this and that? And he just gave me some, you know, generic line. And then he ended up calling me uh, a couple weeks later when I was in Alaska playing during the summer league, the collegiate ball, and said, we didn't draft enough players. Um, Do you want to come play as a non-drafted free agent? And I said, yes. Yeah. And that's kind of started the cool career.
1: And that's what happened, sure. Now, you spent time with the Mets really shuttling between the Mets and the Norfolk Tides, and uh, th- that's not a very good situation.
2: Well, it, it, okay, so you have to understand, and I know if you're a true Mets fan, you kind of understand this era where you had Bobby Valentine at the end of his Mets days, uh, yeah. not liking young pitchers whatsoever. We'd rather trade them or get rid of them. I want veteran guys. Then you had Art Howe that came in that I thought was a good manager, but then... We went through G- um, Steve Phillips as a GM, and then Jim Duquette as a GM, and then the owners decided to get uh, Willie Randolph, or not, um, Omar Minaya as a GM. Right. And Omar is like, well, I'm going to get rid of Art Howe, even though he has another year or two on his contract. I'm going to bring in my own guy. And we got Willie Randolph, and that, I was in that era of AAA right there, where I was doing well in AAA, but Bobby Valentine doesn't like young guys. I'm not a prospect. Then... Art Howell comes, and he's probably trying to figure out who he has, you know, veteran-wise because we had a good veteran staff. Then then he gets canned. I get called up the year he gets, you know, he stayed on with the team for the last month or two of the season, but he knew he was going to get canned at the end of the season. And um, then Willie Randolph came in, and Willie's a good guy. Mm -hmm. He really is. I've had him as a coach after my years of being him as a manager. He's a really good coach, really good guy. But I think those years of being a manager, he just lost himself somehow. And, uh, yeah, he just he, he would say one thing and do another, and it just, it just wasn't good. And I think I was the young guy that maybe the organization wanted me up, but really didn't want to put me in there and say, hey, this is my team. I'm going to do what I want, not what you guys want me to do. And I think... My agent told me years later, he goes, I think that's really what happened with you, where the organization saw some talent, but Willie really just like, no, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do, and I just became the fall guy. So I only spent a little bit of time with New York and then got shipped off to San Diego, and that's right. kind of where I blossomed. And I know a lot of Mets fans wish I was blossomed in New York, and trust me, so do I, because I still root for the Mets, i still kind of like a die hard Mets fan even yeah. though I grew up in the west coast. Interesting. I, everybody goes, "San Diego's your team, right?" And I go, "Well, you know, <laughs> yes, but I still love the Mets. If the Mets and Padres ever played like National League Championship, yeah. I probably would, I probably couldn't watch. Yeah. Cuz <laughs> it's just it's one of those things my whole minor league career, my, you know, 8 years and... I'm the Met. I'm the Met. We're going to do this. I'm going to take John Franco's job. I'm going to do this. I'm yeah. Going to do that. And and it, I went all the way back west, and they were like, "No, you're going to take over for Joe Hoffman. I'm like, "Okay." Well,
1: so, we were we were supposed yeah. to have Bobby V on the show tonight, Heath. You, I don't think you uh, knew that. Yeah, but he's running for mayor of Stamford, Connecticut now, and he's really busy, they told me, so he couldn't come on the show, but that would have been something to have you and Bobby V on the same night,
2: right? Yeah, that would have been interesting. <laughs> Probably wouldn't even know who I was. Oh, gosh. So, well,
1: it's just
2: I... It's funny, because, like, here's one of my a good stories. Howard Stern yeah. once said my name on air because... You remember uh, Chris Benson, Anna Benson?
1: Yes, yes.
2: And they were talking. I forget the exact words that came up, and he was like, "Some like, oh, he Chris will never cheat on me because if he does, I'll sleep with the whole team." I remember the Mets. Yeah, Howard goes. But what about Heath Bell? (laughs) And she was like, "Sure." Yeah. (laughs) That's how my name got put on there. (laughs) Oh man, I was just uh, laughing because. I knew Chris and Anna uh, a couple times. I met them, and they probably, you know, I was just a young guy, but they were nice, but it was just funny how that happened.
0: Yeah,
1: that's uh, a great for story. Me, <laughs> I thought it was cool. Howard
2: Sprint said <laughs> my name.
1: Now, you probably didn't endear yourself to the Mets, uh, Heath, by rollerblading into spring training one time. I don't think Rick Peterson appreciated that.
2: Well, but here's the thing Rick Peterson told me that I needed to lose weight. Right. If I was, if I was serious about being in the big leagues. I need to lose weight, not, not, um, be a better pitcher, just lose weight. So what I did is I lived in Port St. Lucie at the time. Okay. I I roller I played roller hockey in high school, so I was an of, You know I knew how to rollerblade really well, but I wore my wrist guards and elbow guards because I'm I thought of, I'm. Think I'm a smart guy, mm-hmm. and I used to rollerblade five miles to the complex where uh, Jason Craig, uh, Nitro, was our fitness guy, and I'd work out with him for like three hours, and then I'd rollerblade home. And I did this for four times, four four days out of the week. And then I never rollerblade into spring training. But somebody asked me, he goes, "Hey, you lost thirty pounds this off season. You look great." And I said, "Yeah, I rollerbladed just about almost every day to the spring training complex, and then." Where, you know, because I, I don't live like four or five miles away. Yeah. In the off season. And Rick Peterson got really mad because I was road and You could ruin your career, this and that, and didn't care anything about I lost the weight or my pitching. And one of the coaches told me that his his son, a couple of years ago, road and broke his arm. Oh, gee. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you don't know any history of me because I played roller hockey in high school. Right. Out in California. I, I was, I'm pretty good on rollerblades. So, I you know, it's like if I grew up out in New York or something, or if I was born out there, I probably would have played, I would have been, you know, partially half a hockey player. But, you know, out west, we didn't really have much ice, so we do have rollerblades. Right. yeah. So, yeah, I got yelled at for that one, too. I could never win with Rick Peterson. That was kind of, I never could win with him.
1: He, he was like you know. the thinking man's pitching coach, Heath. I, I don't well, know. Well, let me,
2: Okay, we used to have a meeting that all the veterans used to go, um, you know, be like, hey, we got our pitchers meeting. They go, hard in, soft away. Because <laughs> that's all Rick would say to every hitter um, throw hard in, soft away, no gimme overs.
1: Right. And that was so, it.
2: And I remember Pedro Martinez once said, um, can you tell me how to get them out, not how to pitch to them? Yeah. How to get them out. Right. And he would just, Rick Peterson would just look at him and go, well, you got to go hard in and soft away. He's like, how do I get him out? Right. I go everybody hard in and soft away. And then literally Tom Glavin and Pedro Martinez, and they'd stop go to meetings and stuff. And I'm a young guy going, okay, these guys that are unbelievable pitchers, probably Hall of Famers, they don't like this guy, and I'm supposed to listen to this guy? Yeah, like, good point. Is, you know, I listen to him, but, I mean, Yeah, Rick Peterson, I don't know. I'm not a fan of Rick. I'm not
1: really a fan of We're speaking with Heath Bell tonight on Sports Talk New York. Talk about the slide in the All-Star Game, Heath. That's that's another memorable (laughs) moment. You you come in from the bullpen in the All-Star Game. That was your third consecutive All-Star Game, by the way, so you were in three of them. And you did a slide in front of the pitcher's mound. You you broke up a bunch of grass, but uh, you did it for the fans, right?
2: Yeah, so I remember the fans um, were kind of getting upset as players aren't real being serious about the game, this and that, and and that was the year that, I mean, back then the Red Sox and Yankees were always battling for first place, who was going to win, and I think Dustin Petroya and Derek Jeter were both hurt at the time. They just came back from their injury a couple weeks before the All-Star game, got named All-Star for that year, and they said they're not sure if they're going to go to the All Star game because it's all the way in and out in Arizona, and they were already you know they were at home, both of them, so they're on the East Coast. And back then, you know, Monday was the Home Run Derby, t- Tuesday was the All Star game, mm-hmm. Wednesday you had practice, and everybody played on Thursday. So there really wasn't off days. Um, if you went to the All Star game, you literally were traveling the whole time. You never got any rest. So I was fans were kind of upset whatnot and i said you know i want to bring some fun back to the game i got to do something and one of my kids was watching angels in the outfield and if you remember that movie the team wasn't very good and there was a pitcher that would um, slide into the mound walk around the mound three times <laughs> throw the ball down or the rosin down and throw, pitch a ball right so i was like i'm going to slide into the mound because actually his last name was bass and we had a um, one of my uh, one of the bullpen guys was Anthony Bass, and it just kind of re- it kind of hit me in the head like I should slide. Right. And everybody in San Diego was like, "You should do that. You should do that." And I was like, "All right, well, I'm going to keep it quiet because I don't want people to talk me out of it." And then uh, Bochi uh, gives uh, inspirational speech. Our manager that how um, the All Star game is is important because. The Giants wouldn't have won the World Series last year if we didn't have home field advantage. So I kind of thought about not doing it, but I already told Pablo Sandoval that third. I asked him, hey, should I slide in? You know, make sure you get everybody out of the way. And he goes, oh, you should do it. So anyway, I forgot to – so during the – right before the game, I'm thinking maybe I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so then if you watch it on YouTube, I sprint in from the outfield, and when, I always keep my head down. I didn't know the camera guy was behind me. I really wish I would have known because I would have probably Dion Prime Standard looked back at him. <laughs> that would have been kind of fun. But I didn't know he was behind me. Then I got to the infield dirt, and I, and I picked my head up, and center ball. And I was slowing down, and center ball, because I wasn't going to do it. And the center ball literally gets everybody out of the way. Like, hey, guys, move, move, move. So I'm like, well, i got to do it now. So then I just slid in, picked, got the ball from Bochi, Bochi looked at me and went, shit. Yeah, but he goes. I got two of these guys, and he walked away. And Molina starts laughing because if you remember, <laughs> San, um, San Francisco had Brian Wilson, you know the freak. Yeah, man. and right. um, Bo- that's what you was saying. He goes, "I got two weird guys now on the team." <laughs> so and I was just doing it for fun. So yeah. it was it was a good time, and, and and you know the you know what the funny part is now, I'm known as the slide guy. Not as a good pitcher. I'm just known as that pitcher at the All-Star game that slid. And I, it's kind of fun. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it followed you, Heath, and there you go. Yeah. That's your legacy, man.
2: A lot of people ask me, hey, can you come speak uh, to our Little League or our high school, and can you come slide into the mound? <laughs> so, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It just depends if I'm wearing pants or not. I won't slide if I'm wearing shorts.
1: Right. No, you You don't want to be like those old White Sox uniforms. I can't imagine yeah, those I guys. Yeah, I want to do that. No. Now, now you, you once compared yourself to Han Solo, and you, you wore Star Wars sneakers uh, and then NAT spring training. That, that's another thing that got you some, uh, some ink there, right?
2: Yeah, I'm a big uh, Star Wars guy. And yeah. Growing up, there wasn't a whole bunch of it out there. And then um, my youngest son now, he's uh, almost 12, he kind of embraced, um, uh, he started liking Star Wars when he was really young. So we kind of had that going, and then I kind of, uh, kind of the Star Wars, you know, the Jedi. I guess you said uh, kind of started coming out of me. So him and I kind of we we still do this to this day. And he's twelve, and I'm you know like forty four. Um, you know, when you go into a grocery store and they have the automatic doors, sure. We always walk up, and before <laughs> it's, it's a game between us. We got to run up, and who's uh, who's using the force first? You know, because we ah, the doors. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> we open the doors for people. So it's like, no, I used the force. He goes, no, I did, Dad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, that, that's so, that's a great
1: way to share something with your kid.
2: Yeah. So Never that's, thought yeah, of that. Just big kid, like my first all-star game I'll always remember because they were like, "What what is this like? And I'm like, "This is for this is people that are older, like us, this is like going to Toys R Us and your parents saying, go ahead and buy whatever you want. It's the coolest yeah. thing ever. It's a kid in Christmas morning. Just like, i got all these presents. This is
1: so cool. Now, now you you like toys, don't you, Heath? Because I, I, there's a store out here on Long Island we went to the other day called Blast from the Past. Doc Gooden was there signing autographs. So we went over there, and they they have stuff you wouldn't believe in this store. You, you, you would probably love it. Toys from the Past, action figures, games. Oh, it, it, It's a, a haven over there.
2: Yeah, I'm just a big kid. That my wife, when she says she has five children, and she's including me. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I'm, I'm just a big kid. I don't think I've really. I've the only time I've ever been a grown up is when I had to discipline my kids. That I kept telling my kids, just do your homework and don't lie, so I don't have to be a grown up. You know, I don't yeah. have to discipline you. I just want to have fun. So, um, but as my kids are getting older now. I mean, I have a 23 year old, a 19 year old, a 17 year old, and then my little 12 uh, year old. Um, I can just, I just be more of a kid again and just having fun with them and kind of. I kind of get upset when my kids are like, "Dad, we don't do that anymore. We don't play video games." So I'm like, "Well, I got my 12 year old. I'll go play with him."
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a great way to be. He said, "Keep, keep involved with your kids. That, that's a great
2: thing." So how's uh, you, you know I heard you talking about the All Star game. The yeah. Uniforms. Did you see those? I just I, I just looked at them. They're bad.
1: Isn't that horrendous? They. You know I, what they remind know. me of, Heath? I don't know if you remember. Uh, a couple of years back, they did these futures uniforms. How Seattle. team Yeah. Yeah. How, how teams would look in the future, and uh, they they kind of had the the uh, the up and down diagonal team names and and it was absolutely hideous and that's what these are
2: yeah they are they really are now okay i will say this the the hats i like but the
1: uniform they're not bad the hats yeah the
2: the uniform is ugly and and you're no, gonna, you're going to
1: see every guy in that. Like I said, when I was a kid, you used to like seeing the Washington Senators, the Minnesota Twins, the Oakland A's. See everybody out there. It was colorful and uh, enjoyable. But th- th- putting these guys in this is horrible.
2: Why why can't we just have an all-star game where it's like old school? So it's like um, you're wearing your 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 team's uniform, but the the original like old school uniform. Right. Like, way back when. That would be kind of like we're going back in the day, all all star game or something. That would be kind of cool.
1: See those uniforms. I love when a team wears the throwbacks, like when the Atlanta Braves wear the old Hank Aaron style uniforms. You know, something like that. Uh, I I really enjoy that. The the old like softball, the the dark or the blue shirts with the white pants for the Atlanta Braves. But these are going to look horrible. And then, uh, what about the home run derby? What do you think of that?
2: I, I actually haven't. How are they going to mess the home run up derby this year?
1: I don't know, but they'll find a way.
2: <laughs> I, 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 I don't like looking at the rules anymore until the home run derby because they just reinvent the wheel and it, it already works. Yeah. So I, I just I don't get it. I really don't.
1: Now, you played independent I, ball, uh, Heath, and in, in the independent league up here is the Atlantic League. And they have the robo-umpires. And you should have seen the other day that they punched this guy out. The ball was about a foot off the plate. And uh, the umpire called him out, struck him out. And uh, the robo-ump, I have no idea. These changes in the game today, the seven-inning doubleheader, I just spoke to Larry Boa about that kind of stuff. And uh, those, those are changes that Manfred's instituting in our great game
2: that are not for the good. I just, I don't understand why Manfred, what he's doing to the game is really ruining the game. I right. I really do believe that. It's, I, what, what is he just trying to do things to basically go, look what I did? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're ruining, you're ruining things. Yeah. Um, Doesn't guys. he know that? Um, I don't think so, because no. I think the people around him. Are um, okay with it? Yeah. Either they're yes, they're yes people, or they actually they like these things and they don't care about what actually the people want.
1: I mean, where did he come from? Is he is he was he a fan before this, or you know, did he come from corporate? I don't understand. I think
2: it. he was a lawyer.
1: Yeah. Well, most of, sure, most of I them are, but still, you should have some sense of the game and the history of it, and uh, what goes on in it.
2: Uh, yeah, we should have a historian. It, it would be really cool to have somebody that was real passionate about baseball. Yeah. Actually run major league baseball. I really do.
1: Uh, I think it
2: would be really it would be really cool because then you would people the young people would know the history, the past and not just trying to, you know, like Here's the thing. Like you said, the Seattle Future game, right? that was so bad, and it looks back as one of the worst uniforms ever. Right. They look back at that time. Nobody ever went and tried to even design their uniform like that. No. You know, that's how bad it was, and now, like, apparently we're doing it again.
1: Who would you say, he, throughout your your, uh, career was your best teammate?
2: My best teammate? Oh, gosh. Um... Uh, Billy Wagner was my teammate for uh, one year, and he was unbelievable. When I was yeah. a rookie, Mike Cameron and Cliff Floyd were great guys. At, you know, through my first half of my career, was their end of the half. And I used to see them and talk to those guys all the time. Um, gosh, um, in the bullpen, I would have to say Doug Broquel. He's mm-hmm. kind of a veteran guy in San Diego that helped me out a lot my first year there. But. Um, You know, over like my career, without talking about older guys and kind of maybe my players, would be Nick Hundley or um, Wade LeBlanc. He's a starting pitcher. Right. um, Or Adrian Gonzalez. Those are probably, probably my best teammates over the long haul of my career.
1: Good answer. Well, Heath Bell, I tell you, it's been a real pleasure. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend some of it with us here up in New York, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Well,
2: thank you. And, hey, what's that story again? Because uh, in a couple months I might be in
1: New York. Oh, do, do, do a search on it, Blast from the Past. It's in Bayshore.
2: Blast from the Past. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Kind of like that movie, Blast from the Past. That's it, Got
1: buddy. It. Yeah. I, I it up. All right, Heath, you take care.
2: All right, thanks. Take
1: care. That's Heath Bell, folks. Well, that'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Larry Boa and Heath Bell, my engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you folks for joining us. I'll see you next week. I'll welcome in former Mets Wayne Garrett and John Stearns, the dude. Andy's coming up next. You don't want to miss it. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue, wishing you a good evening, folks.
0: expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.